Amen. Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name asking that your spirit will be with us tonight. That as we study your scriptures, as we open up your word, that you would guide us. Lord, you have uniquely uh, called us because we are here to do your work in this city, in this state. And I pray that you give us wisdom, discernment, and insight to do this work. Lord, we are asking um, as we partner together with you, with your spirit, that we would be able to be ambassadors and a light in this world, Father. Thank you for um, the redemption of everyone in this room. Thank you for the redemption of the new creation yet to come. And I pray that as we uh, get into the scriptures and as we look, we can envision ourselves living out what you are calling us to do, Father, and that we would be faithful to that calling. Again, Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. so we, we've been studying kind of, not even kind of, definitely what we're doing as a community group. And uh, let me see. I thought I downloaded this. Oh, I did. We've been studying what we've been doing as a community group. And so we're taking kind of a bigger scope on what, what in theory it's supposed to look like in theory. Now, in so many ways, we don't know what it's supposed to look like. And that's okay. You know, a lot of times, no one in Acts chapter 15 knew they were writing Acts chapter 15 until after it took place. And in the same way right now, we're trying to build this community and we think it's going to look a certain way. And the Holy Spirit might send us in another direction. And that's okay. That's part of the journey of following Jesus. Um, but um, But we are called to... Be engaged in community. That's a huge part of the the New Testament message. I remember when I first became a believer, I used to think so individualistic, like if everyone in the church quit, I would be the only one following Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, if every believer in the world except me quits, I would not survive four months without adding another believer to the party because I will get weak tremendously because I actually need community to grow, mature, and to seek the will of God. You know, it, it, it's a myth that we can actually do this by ourselves. And our community groups in the church is intended to play an integral role in forming our church. You know, the Sunday experience is something that I hope you guys are enjoying. I hope this is not, and when I say jo- enjoy, I'm not talking at a consumer level, but I'm talking at a spiritually, at spiritually being fed. But the community groups, in theory, is where we will be formed into Christ where we will experience deep relationships. Maybe we won't be best friends. I think there's too many personality things to take place for us to become best friends. You know, how do you become best friends with someone? You walk into a room and you like, you like the Miami Hurricanes? I do too. Whoa. You like the Old Testament? I do too. You like the New Testament? Whoa, I do too. You like chilling? Oh man, I really do too. And then you guys connect and the hearts are melded. Where in our community groups, we got everyone from different walks of life. So some people in my community group are like, you know what's the most epic thing I could do? Walk up a mountain. And I'm like, you know what the most epic thing I could do? Cook something. And, then, you know, and then we're, we're not maybe sharing the experience the same way, but we're, we're going to grow. But so spiritual formation, deep relationships, and ultimately evangelism. You know, our community groups is prayerfully in the next year, year or two, is going to be a place where our unchurched friends our um, de-church friends can feel safe. This is a good entry point to the larger body of Christ. Where they could come in, they know someone, everyone is just, 
You know, there's something about going to someone's house and not calling it church that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. But if you're like, where are you going? You know, like telling your friends, like Portland is the sort of city that when you become a believer, you have to kind of like hang your head like, yeah, they got me. I believe it's like it's that sort of city. And so I can imagine more people, especially who are from Portland, the more progressive component of Portland will feel a little bit more comfortable going to something like that first. That's not to say they can't come to the larger gathering. They're always welcome to the large gathering. And so we've been using uh, a resource from an author named David, David Fitch, and he talks about these three circles. The closed circle, which everyone shares the same conviction. It would be something like this. If there, it, all of us just have the same conviction. When I say Jesus, Lord, we're all going to get yield to Jesus. And then there's the dotted circle where we bring people into the gathering. Where we're like, okay, other people are here. We're going to have to kind of explain things. You in, Explain our insider lingo, etc. And then there's the half circle where you are the guest out there. You are a guest at someone's place. You are a guest at the workplace. And you are bringing your convictions. If any of this sounds confusing, all of it's been recorded, you go back and listen, I encourage it. I think it'll be good. But what is the role of the church and how do we use our gifts? I know for many of you, when you come on Sunday, you're watching maybe eight, nine people tops use their gifts. Everyone else is just kind of watching. And for a long time, when I thought about church from the from an outside looking in as a follower of Jesus, I was like, oh, only one person really has to do church, and that's the minister, and everyone else has got to listen to church. And I thought that's how it went. And then when I got baptized, and they were talking about what gifts will you bring to the table, it seemed like all the gifts just revolved around the Sunday experience. You can usher, you could do the kids, you could do this. It just seems like, okay, outside of Sunday, I, if I don't speak, I don't really need to use any gifts. Now, no shame on the guys who taught me the scriptures. I'm so grateful for them. But I am now understanding that God really gives us our gifts to use every day of the week to build up the kingdom of God. And that we all have gifts or, as Paul would say, manifestations that we are called to use for the greater good and the common good. And so I want our fellowship to be a place where we are all using our giftedness. And that giftedness comes from the Holy Spirit. And I think community group is probably the most ideal spot where everyone can use their gifts. Instead of just saying like, man, if I'm not a preacher, if I don't feel comfortable public speaking, if I hate kids, I hope no one in here hates kids. But if I hate kids and I don't want to usher, you're like, what can I do in God's kingdom? Do I just give money? Um, you're, you could do that if you want. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. But you got more gifts than that. I'll tell you that much. But if you want to give money... Do you, um, the Lord will be, I'll, I'll be encouraged. I don't know about the Lord. He'll be encouraged too if you use your gifts. Okay, ministry offices. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. This is really important that first and foremost, we understand these offices. I, I'm using the word office in particular and not le- leadership gifts because really God has called all his people to be servants. Leadership in the kingdom is servanthood. And the offices are not meant to be um, like over people, lording over them, but we are to imitate Jesus and serve people. Even though Paul in different letters does call elders, overseers, etc. But really the heart is to serve God's people. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is um, one of the prison epistles. 
has nothing to do with our lesson, but I just figured that you should know that. It's in a, pri- a prison epistle. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is a new Bible, so the pages are kind of stuck together. All right. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope. And when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to the people. What does ascend mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascends higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul starts off with this. Let's be unified. Let's be unified about these seven ones. This idea of oneness is big in the Bible. Like God is one. Love the Lord your God. And he wants the whole body of believers. Like these are some important things we need to be unified about. And God and Paul says, God, when Jesus rose from the dead, when he ascended on high, he gave the church gifts. These gifts were. Many, many commentators, and I love what Justin Martyr said. I don't have the exact quote, but the roles of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the shepherd was one in Christ. There's nobody else who who fits all these offices in one person, even if they think they do. No one absolutely fills all these offices in one. And so it takes five people to replace five roles to replace what Christ did by himself, which is fired up. Right. Like. Jesus is, is gifted. You know, <clears throat> every church has someone in the church that when you're like, when that person leaves, we're like trying to find six people to replace what they did. And that's the 80-20 rule working at its worst, right? Like, you're like, why is someone doing so much when they leave? So much is connected. But here, Paul is talking about these roles, these offices. Their role is very clear to equip God's people for works of service, to bring the body of believers to maturity, to help the body not be tossed back and forth in false doctrines and false ideologies. One of of the biggest challenges when it comes to these offices in, in our fellowship is sometimes we forget how these things come about. Many of you in here, who knows how an evangelist is appointed in our fellowship? That gives, draw some rubrics. What do you think has to happen for an evangelist in our fellowship to be appointed? Have to talk about who has to talk about him? Elders. Elders have to talk about him. Okay. Or her. Or him. Okay. A man has to appoint them. But what are their qualifications? God has to appoint them. Okay. They're effective at evangelizing. Okay, anyone else? What are some other qualifications? They have to be doing 
they have to be doing the work of an evangelist first. Anyone else? What are some qualifications? Preach the word well. Okay, what about elders? What do you have to do to be a pastor in this church? Just read Second, First Timothy chapter 3? No. But what else? What do you have to do? Like, how do we know that someone's an elder? An elder must be blameless. Blameless. Have any of you been under an elder in your time in this fellowship? Have you been around them for the 24-7 period to recognize that they are completely blameless? None of us really knows. You know, most of, the, most of the time, one of the elders that got appointed in South Florida, great brother, love him to death. I never been to his house before. So when we were appointing him and then everyone was like, he's great. He's blameless. I'm like, hey, you sure. Sure. You got my vote, brother. Every time I see you, you're pretty kind. And, and, but, you know, I don't know what's going on. He can have a thousand bodies in his closet. <laughs> but so far as I see at midweek, he's fired up. Sunday, he's fired up. And his kids were believers. They were older. They, they were about my age. I didn't know them, but they believed in Jesus wherever they were. And I was like, oh, so this is, it could feel that way a little bit, right? You know, maybe to get up there and do a sermon, do a midweek, and you're like, they're good at teaching. Their spouse looks like they're semi-happy, radiant. <laughs> you know, no one, no one like hates them. And we need someone to kind of like commit to helping people for the rest of their lives. That's how you get them, right? How do you appoint a teacher? What about a teacher? They got to be sharp. They got <laughs> to be smart. They can't, you know, they can't be unschooled ordinary men to be teachers, right? No, nah, I'm not sure with that. Maybe. <laughs> they need to know the Bible. The, the, the pastor and the evangelist don't need to know the Bible. The teacher definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just make things up as long, but you're a teacher you better say this is what God says and you can't make it up like how do, how do we get the teacher role they need to be sharp they need to know the Bible Lion and then Fred they're good at teaching people, they're good at teaching people Fred well, this passage implies that they're gifted they're gifted yeah. in other words that they have a gift that God has put in the church they have a gift that God has put in the church, okay? Well, the reason I share this is there's a lot of ambiguity with how we pick these roles. A ton of ambiguity. You know, um, in our fellowship of churches, generally, though there's exceptions to the rules. How, how do you appoint an evangelist? It does have something to do with your effectiveness in helping people become believers, but it has a lot to do with your ability to kind of grow a ministry, which is more than just converting people. It's also shepherding people. Like both of those things play a role in whether or not you're going to get appointed. So you can baptize 30 people, and if 30 people walk away, no one's going to appoint you. But you're like, but my goal is just to baptize them. Someone else needs to come and take care of them, which isn't biblical, by the way. But that's how we could think sometimes. Like the evangelist is the offense, the shepherd is the defense, the teacher is the special teams coordinator. He kicks the field goals. That's what he does. Like gives us an extra three points. We don't really need the teacher. We need the defense and the offense. But it'd be good if you got Adam Vinatieri. You guys remember Adam Vinatieri? If you got him, you're really good. But if you don't have him, it's okay. Like we were all watching the Super Bowl. Who were the kickers for the Rams and the Bengals? Nobody knows. They might as well not have even been there. That's the teacher role, right? Like, you're like, if we got an excellent one, they could be there. But if not, we'll, we'll be fine. We need a good defense. 
But we all like to watch even better offense. So we need a preacher who's inspirational, fired up, and we're just going to have a great offense. And if they keep taking people out the kingdom, it really don't matter because we got a good show and we just keep it going. Right. That is the business world creeping into the kingdom of God. That's just that just it just crept in. Everything I read from the first 500 centuries of Christianity, how did they decide these roles? The congregation decided these roles. And it wasn't an efficient appointment. It just kind of like someone said, oh, you're doing the work of an evangelist. You're an evangelist. Oh, you're teaching people. You're a teacher. Now the elder was appointed. That's very clear. You see it in Timothy's letter. You see Paul going back. But that role was an appointed role primarily because that role took oversight over the entire church. They were held accountable. Now, no elder, everything I've read, led a congregation of hundreds. They were over house churches. So it wasn't like if I'm an elder of a congregation of 2,000, like legitimately, I can't really do my role. Once it's 2,000, I don't know who just got baptized. They're like, and, jo- and then when, when, the, when the person's upset, they're like, the elder never got with me. You'd be like, it's 2,000 people here. I don't even know who you are. I saw your name get on the baptism list. I prayed for you. And then after that, I just hope you're still around. I think more elders pray for people more than that. I hope so. But we have to understand that God has given us these gifts, but it's really the body of Christ that has given us these gifts. Like God has gifted certain people in these areas. I am a firm believer, not that we're going to dismantle the roles of how we do things. So that's not where we're going with this. So if you're thinking, Steve, is this going to dismantle? Nah, I'm not going to do that. I want to be unified with the larger body of Christ. In our fellowship. However, what I am saying is I may serve as an evangelist, but there might be some of you who actually are serving as an evangelist as well. No one has come up here and be like, hey, let me give you a Bible with your name in it. Preach the word. (laughs) And you might die before you get the Bible with your name in it. You have to buy it yourself. Um, But some of you may be teaching. You may not be teaching on Wednesday. You may not be teaching on Sunday, but you are teaching people. You are helping people grow. You are deepening the faith of the community of believers. And you're a teacher. We may not ever sit up here and I guess, what do you give a teacher? A globe, Fred? Like the evangelist gets a Bible written in it. I've seen shepherds get like a staff. Do you give a teacher a globe? What do you give a teacher? (laughs) You... You give them a pat on the back. <laughs> you're like, you're doing good, brother. But the, elder, the elders in South Florida got a staff. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, they all were given a staff. I was like, wow, man. They, it, it was ceremonial, and I thought it was, it was a powerful moment. They got a staff. I was like, one brother leaned over, and he was like, bro, I want to get a staff one day. I'm like, you got the bad heart, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't want to be an elder to get a staff. You could buy that on your own. <laughs> But why, why am I sharing, sharing this? God has given us unique roles to build up his body and to do the work that he desires in his community. If we're using the, the illustration of David Finch, um, circle, the closed circle, the dotted circle, the half circle, the, the body believer need these people to serve in this way. I am fully persuaded that I do not have all the gifts of the spirit. If you spend any time with me or the gifts of the office, if you spend any time with me, you'll realize that very quickly. You're like, Steve is lacking in this area. And I would say, amen. I never thought I I am a piece of the body of Christ. I am not a a significant piece. I'm fully persuaded if I die today, the kingdom of God will go on without me. And it will be exceedingly well without me. I am not irreplaceable. I am fully, only person I'm irreplaceable to is Stephen and Brian. They can only have one biological daddy. And that's me. Julian could get another husband, right? 
Like she could just get on and keep falling in love and keep falling in love. I say all that to say it's really important that we understand these roles. So he says apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. I don't believe that the, the role of the 12 can ever be replaced. Like these were unique men that Jesus called, trained, and served. And they served and they did important ministry work with Jesus. I believe, however, when you look at church history, this is a historical question, not a theological question. They still recognize people as apostles later. Now, what was the unique work that these people were doing? A historical question, not a theological question. The unique work was these people were starting spiritual communities. If there, if there was something we could look at an apostle, it's someone like, let's just say Glenn, who came and started a community here. He's like, I'm going to start a community. I'm going to build up this community. And then someone else is going to take the work. And usually in the early church, after that apostle kind of established that community, built that community, it was usually a teacher or shepherd who came in or raised up in the group and, and strengthened and made that community flourish. The, 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 the role of the prophet in the first century and in time after were people who just spoke the truth. And these were the people like Ambrios who, who spoke to um, um, Constantine and, and, and called out injustice. They gave, they gave life to some of the wickedness that they saw in the world and they pointed to a greater reality of the kingdom of God. And these guys were remembered and they influenced the church. And so if, if we were thinking, who's the person in here who speaks truth to power? Who's the person in here who reminds us of God's will, even when it's tough, even when we're all feeling the threat to be to compromise? That would be that prophetic voice in our community. And it's a necessary voice to strengthen our community because that voice equips us for works of service as much as the apostle equips us for works of service. Then you have the evangelist, the good news bringer, the person who wants to tell everyone that we have this amazing God. Come be a part of this amazing party we have. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not. Come and join Again, one of the things that you realize very quickly, if you're just looking at it historically, evangelists has disappeared off the face of the earth, primarily because it seems like that role was a traveling role. Like you went in where there was a community, you brought more to the community and you left. I don't know if anyone historically could be an evangelist if they were in the area for 30 years. You're serving in a different role at that point. But who cares, right? We don't. I'm just, I'm just giving you perspective, historical perspective. And then you have the um, shepherd. The, these are the people who protected God's people, protected the flock, strengthened the flock, led the flock. The flock knew them. They knew the flock. And then you have the teacher who grounded the, the community of believers in the way and the teachings of Jesus. These people knew God's word, knew Jesus' teachings, and they led people in that way. Now, here's the thing that's very important. All of these offices need to know the Bible. You can't serve in any of these offices back then, prayerfully, not today either, and not know the scriptures. There are some more gifted than others in it. If I were in a room with 100 evangelists, it is a worldly thought process to be, where do I rank? It's all a gift to the kingdom of God. So if there's 100 evangelists in here, that's a gift to the kingdom of God. We don't need to rank each other. We're all in Christ. We're all one which is why the seven ones is important. If there were a group of elders in here, we don't need to rank like, oh man, he, he's like a Charizard of the kingdom of God and this is like a Blastoise. These are Pokemon, if you don't know. <laughs> you, you, you know, and 
it's really important that we don't rank. The world wants us to rank. And this is what Paul's saying. Like, I don't, Paulo's waters, I plant, God makes it grows. God gets the credit. It's God's work, God's ministry. Paul doesn't belong to anybody. Uh, I mean, Paul belongs to everybody as much as Apollos belongs to everybody. And so it's really important that we understand this. So what is the work of these offices to equip God's people for works of service? We are not called to be a community of believers who just watch people do church. We are called to actively engage, which is really challenging because it goes against our paradigm. Like you spend so much time on Sunday, today, and you just sit and you sit and you learn. And then we do Bible studies thinking, man, okay, Jesus, this is just what I do. And that is important that we share God's word with people. But we are called to be the representation, the manifestation of the body of Christ. So when people look at us and they look at, um, they look at me together at the collective body, they see Christ working among us. This is the problem with technology. It could freeze. Right, my iPad froze. Come on. See, not fired up. This is why you got to update your stuff, too, before you show up. You got to make sure you update it. But either way, it, 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 it's critical that we, we understand our roles as followers of Jesus. I am trying to move this, and it's unfreezing. Okay. We have an obvious responsibility for everyone in the community to be formed in the Christ. And so I serve as an evangelist. But honestly, if God showed up today and was like, Steve, you're an evangelist, but you're more this. I wouldn't even care. I'm like, God, I just want to love you. I want to help people love you. And I want to make you known. Anything in between is cherry on top. We want to have an engaged spirituality. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So these leadership positions are called to equip us. Everyone's responsibility in here is to speak truth to power to whatever extent they can speak truth to power. Some will be more effective at it than others. Everyone in here is called to teach God's word at a big extent or a small extent. So you're like, well, I'm not a teacher. I'm not what James is talking about. But if you have a household, you should prayerfully use your Bible in that household. Well, I'm single and I live by myself. There you have a neighbor that might need to know the word of God. All my neighbors are Christians, then you're absolved. You don't have to teach the Bible if your whole community is Christian and you're single. But at whatever point you need to teach the scriptures, you should know it. Evangelism, again, an evangelist can bring people and should bring people. But Matthew 28 is written to all people who would follow Jesus. And so we're all called to participate in it. And it's not really a cop out to say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm more of a shepherd. True. But you still are called to evangelize. I could say I'm more of an evangelist, less of a shepherd. True, but I'm still called to love, serve, give. All those 52 one another passages I'm called to put into practice as much as everyone else is here. I, I just say that to say these roles equip us to better do these things, but they don't absolve us from participating in all facets of it, especially if you have a title in these particular roles. First Corinthians chapter 12. Can I get someone to read that chapter 12, verse 4 through 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Amen. Do you guys think Paul wrote an exhaustive list here of all the gifts of the Spirit? Why not? Why do you not think he wrote an exhaustive, an exhaustive list of all the gifts of the Spirit? Because there are other lists that include other things. <laughs> there are other lists that include either the context is everything. You know, it's really important. Some, I, for a long time when I was reading the Scriptures, I thought everything, only everything I see here is what the Holy Spirit could do. And what the Holy Spirit brings to the community of believers. And so if someone was like great at writing cards, I'm like, is your gift encouragement? You know, but then you look up the definition of encouragement. It's like give courage. You'd be like, I don't know if that card gave me courage or made me feel warm and fuzzy. I think it was more warm and fuzzy. So that's not their gift. And, and you know, you just got to figure out like what, what are people bringing to the table? And so for a long time I was reading the scriptures. I'm like, I know God says everyone is gifted, but I don't know what that brother could do. He's just here. <laughs> and he's that part of the body that you treat with special honor because we don't know what he does. Now I realize that God's spirit is, ca is calling all of us to represent Christ to this world. And it shows up in different ways, but we know when it's spirit filled. We know when like that is uniquely the Holy Spirit working in this person's lives because of the impact it brings to everyone. And so, no, this is not an exhaustive list. And so God's spirit is empowering every believer. Every believer is empowered by the spirit of God. You may have woke up this morning and feel like, I don't feel empowered. You are empowered by the spirit of God. If you made Jesus Lord and the spirit is dwelling in, you are completely and utterly empowered. And that can feel terrifying. And that can feel confusing, especially if your idea of church is the Sunday experience. You're like, how do I use my power? That the Holy Spirit has given me? How do I use the gift that the Holy Spirit has given me? Because on Sunday, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do kingdom kids. I don't want to usher. I don't want to do a lot of things. So how do I use this incredible gift that the Holy Spirit has given me? The, the purpose of the gifts is to manifest Christ to this world. And diversity of gifts, gifts is really the goal. So the church in Corinth was having one challenge. They all wanted to speak in tongues. I don't know if there's any gift like that in the body of believers right now that we all want. I, 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 I've never been in a conversation where it's like everyone's like, yo, you know what I want to be able to do? I want to be able to serve. Like, yeah, man, I want to serve you. Never been in a room like that. Everyone's kind of fired up about what God has given them or what God hasn't given them. And they, and they pray for the other people's lot. I don't know what that says about our generation, but we, we don't care about too many gifts. And so in verse 7, each one has a manifestation of the spirit. A healthy church is a diverse church using its gifts. Yeah. And we see that completely and we will see that completely I think in our community groups. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Mm -hmm. I want you to keep in mind that this is not an exhaustive list of the spirit. We're all gifted even maybe right now you're thinking about your gift. We're going to talk about how we could potentially identify our gifts. Um, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. 
Can I get someone to read verse 1 through... You volunteer, Heather? Okay. I, you are awesome. Verses 1 through verse 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. And if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Paul says in view of God's mercy, Offer yourselves, this is plural, the body of Christ. Offer the body of Christ as a living sacrifice. Because of God's mercy, the natural response should be we offer our entire body, our entire community as a living sacrifice to God. And what that living sacrifice entails of is a renewed mind that stands against this age. That we are people now completely transformed in our mind. Now we think as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, no longer as the world, but as Christ does. We look at every situation like Christ as a collective body of believers. And how do we do that? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is empowering our imaginations to view the world the way he does. Which is challenging because a huge part of, and I've talked about this a lot, spiritual formation. The world is trying to give you one message. The Holy Spirit is trying to give you another message. The, 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 old, the old proverb the dog you feed is the one that dominates. If you're feeding to feed, if you're sowing toward the spirit, you're going to start being more and more like Jesus. If we do that collectively, the entire church is going to start to feel more like Jesus. And if you're going to whatever the flesh is, whatever you give your attention to is what's going to form you. So some of you guys look at your screen time and you're like cranking it out. Like you give 16 hours to Facebook and all the back and forth bickering. You're going to be an angry person. It seems like nobody's happy on Facebook anymore. Maybe I'm following the wrong people, but it seems like they're all not happy anymore. And so he says, offer your body as living sacrifice. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, 32 depicts a world where that mind is not renewed. That mind is conformed to the patterns of this world. Paul is saying now there's a new way of being human, a new way of living, and it starts with the renewal of your mind, the transformation of your mind. And so the body of believers, we are called together to use our gifts to serve one another. 
Like our gifts, our talents, our, our, our causes to serve one another. One of the biggest obstacles to using our gifts is this, is performance-oriented gifts. The performance-oriented gifts have a hard time using their gifts because sometimes they think, man, when I use this gift, I feel this, I feel that. And you know, like the public speaking, like whether the singers, whether the preachers, whether the teachers, they feel a lot because they feel like, man, that wasn't a good sermon. People didn't respond the way I wanted them to respond. Or I wasn't singing as well. Or I can't get people to get behind me on this song. I don't have enough contemporary music. I have too much contemporary music. You feel a lot. And one of the things that's really important to understand is that gift was given to you to serve others. It's hard to make that divorce between it really isn't about me. There are, there are a number of qualified people whenever the Holy Spirit makes clear and I think we should be people always trying to lift up other people to use their gifts. That someone else could serve in that way and we, we could get help, but it isn't about us. Which is some of the quieter ways of serving. Like there's a brother in Miami. He's been an usher since the beginning of time. <laughs> like I got baptized 2008 and there's like some photos. 1998, I see him. And every photo since. I see him. Like the brother, if I went back to Miami today, I'm almost certain he's still an usher. Why? It's more of a quiet role, but he enjoys it. The performance roles, you know, uh, again, I, 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 I'm using the word performance because we get up here and we get judged. Like some of you guys are going to go home. I don't know what that blabbermouth was talking about. Steve is blah, 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 blah. I, I might get a discouraging message too. That's okay. And then I could make it about me and be like, man. That wasn't good. I can I will receive the feedback because I do want to prepare God's people for work of service. But I, you're, you're criticizing what I'm talking about. I don't ever take it personal. I'm like, I just got to grow in this area. I'm going to continue to grow. I don't take it personal. You can say a million one things. Steve, you're, you're, the, most, you're the most horrible preacher I ever heard in my life. I'm like, well, that's the first. You should be grateful that you just heard the worst preacher. Now you can only go up from here. And so you have found a new, a new bottom, which is good. And now you can only go up from here. And then I'm going to go home, eat some cookies, and just be like, listen, Jules, someone said I was the worst preacher they ever heard. And Jules would be like, you're not the worst. And I'm like, and? <laughs> and she's like, you're not the worst. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, Stephen loves me. <laughs> Which has happened once before. I did a communion and some brother was just having a really bad day, but he's like, this is the worst communion I ever heard. I'm like, I only spoke for two minutes. <laughs> like, it was just two minutes. It was discouraging. He said it was the worst communion he ever heard in his entire life. I read the passage. I'm like, this is what we're doing here in communion. And he's like, this is the worst. I was like, gosh. <laughs> and then I found out he, he was just having a rough day. So I told him, it's all good, man. You needed to hear your worst communion. You've been a believer for how long? You need a bad communion here and there <laughs> to remind you of the grace of God. But he shared that. And it, it did kind of hurt my feelings initially. And then I was like, ah, it's all right, man. And so Paul says here, we need to view each other with sober judgment. And don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Which is easy, right? Most of us open our mouths because we think we're right. None of us open our mouths thinking, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm still going to talk anyway. So when we share an opinion, we share it confidently, passionately, like I have it figured out. 
Like, I wouldn't be opening my mouth if I didn't have it figured out. That's not viewing yourself with sobriety. Only one person we know for a fact has it figured out. And he rolls on the third day and ascended to the right hand of the Father. All of us, at best, we're, 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 we're working our way through the darkness and trying to find how to um, faithfully follow Jesus. So leave, a room, leave room for you not to be the most gifted person in the room. Leave room for you not to have all the right answers. Leave room. That way we can better glorify God. So Paul begins to list these um, different ways. He's like, we've all been given a gift. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's preach. If it's um, leading, then lead. If it's encouraging, then encourage. And he shares all of these roles to help us understand that the church is intended to serve each other and serve the larger community. Like, my gift is for you guys. The moment I use my gifts to fill my ego, to fill my pride, I have lost sight of what the kingdom of God is about. In our community groups, the moment you start to attach too much pride, some of you, we're going to talk a little bit more. Some of you are super gifted at um, hospitality. But then one day, that poor little sister who's the worst at hospitality is like, I'm eager to serve and I want to do this. And everyone's like, yeah, give them a shot. And you feel so offended because everyone's like, don't want you to do it. It's all good, man. Sober assessment. Sober assessment. View yourself with complete sobriety. Someone in your group may be more gifted at something than you are, which is okay. I actually appreciate when someone's more gifted than me in all areas. And, but that's because I'm a nat. Like, I was talking with someone um, earlier today. So a lot of, and this is, not true, this is not only true of our church. This is true of our world. A lot of the more mature people who are in their 60s and 50s, primarily the 60s and 50s, they, they have a deep character of building. They want to build, right? And they want to build. And, you know, one of the biggest fears is to be put out to pasture. I feel like most of the millennials I talk to, one of my biggest concerns for us when we get older is disengagement. Like, we dream of retiring, and we, like, going to pass the buck. Like, our kids are going to be like, all right, I think I'm done. Here, you take it. Run. And he'll be like, hey, but I need help. You're like, no, nah, you got it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I feel like the millennials that I'm around are like, yeah, I just want to retire and live my life. And so I share that to say a lot of times when it comes to having sober assessments of our gifts, sometimes we personalize it way too much. And we just have to be like, okay, this person has a gift, this person has a gift, and we all want to use our gifts in a way to glorify God. Um, most of you know in here who's a big personality. Think about your community group right now. We're transitioning to community group. There are some people in your community groups who are big personalities. I want to encourage the big personalities to become less in community group. You know, the one who kind of like, I'm just going to move the conversation in diff this way. I'm going to say, I don't know what's going on here. I'm going to dominate. Like, try to take a less, lesser personality so other people can use their gifts, feel confident in their gifts. Because usually big personalities, whether they're right or wrong, dominate a room. And you just feel like I'm at the whim of this big personality. And it could be very challenging to be in that room if you're not a person with a big personality, but you're more shy. You never get a chance to really speak your mind. And so we need to practice in Ephesians 5 mindset of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and humbly submitting to one another.
We want the entire body of Christ engaged. So as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, each one of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit. How do we discern the manifestation of others in our groups? One of the easiest ways to tell what someone's gift is, is what they desire to do. They could be in community group like, I want to be the person who does this. That's one way. Another, everyone recognizes the talent. How many of you were found as song leaders because you were singing in worship and someone was standing next to you and was like, hey, you should get up there and go sing. There's a lot of people in Miami who were found that way. There are a couple of people here that was found that way. Criticism. What do you criticize? Whatever you criticize the most is probably usually you think you could do it the best, but that's probably because it's also your gift. So if you're like, I'm always criticizing the preacher. Then we got to figure out how to get you up here. Not so you could do horrible. We want you to do really well. But you're criticizing it because you really think you bring something to the table. Like These are really interesting ways to discern the gifts. Another entrusting and empowering someone with something and seeing how it turns out. Right. Hey, we recently had in our community group, um, Brett and uh, Tim hosts. And I've been to their place before. They're awesome hosts. But something about being at their place this most recent time, I'm like, man, you guys are like great hosts. Like you are like great. Like this is awesome. I feel so comfortable. I might take off my shoes and put my feet on your couch. It feels like my home a little bit. But I didn't do that because that would have been rude. <laughs> but that's how hospitable they were. Man, if you, if you, when you get a chance to be around our campus ministry, Connor's gift is very clear from a mile away. He knows how to build community. Like Connor is just this, a constant servant. He goes in there, James, what's your idea? We're going to do that this week. Evan, what are you going to do? We're climbing mountains. He knows how to build community. That's his gift. It's amazing. Kendra gift is evangelism. She evangelizes even when she has COVID. Like she just gets out there and just does her thing. She's gifted in that. James, I don't know if we could call it a gift of the Holy Spirit, but he's so supportive. Like James is like, if I were gonna go to Alabama for whatever reason, James would come. I'm like, hey man, I think I'm gonna drive down to Alabama. James would be like, I don't think I work today, I'll come. And then we'll go down there together. You will never get me to come with you. Steve, I'm like, no, why? What's going on? Call me. We can FaceTime, etc. Like, you won't get me to show up. James is gifted in that. Evan is generous. His food, his time, his money, he gives. I'm looking at that community and it's becoming healthier and it's becoming more vibrant because they're all bringing their gifts to the table. Anna, Anna has strong opinions. And she shares them with deep conviction, and it helps the rest of the group go in that direction because she has really strong opinions. That community is being formed right now because they're all using their gifts. And, it's, and, and they're lucky because that, no one in that group has big eagles. You can walk in that room, and nobody is like, I got it all figured out. I know what to do. They're all like, it feels like Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 going on over there. Now, prayerfully, it, does, it stays in Acts chapter 4 because, you know, as that story gets a little bit further, the church gets messed up. But right now, it's beautiful right now. And they're working their gifts and they're working their talents and they're working together. Now, part of it is, do you know how much time they spend together? A ton of time. I'm not saying we need to do that. We're in different life stages. We got kids running around. 
Some of us had kids running around. Some of us just got a lot. We just work a lot. Some of us don't work a lot, and that's discouraging. You know, we're, we're just like all spectrum. But I'm just saying, like, I was with uh, Connor earlier today, and he was like, every day he was with one of the guys or one of the sisters, and they spend six days out the week together. If you spend six days out the week together, four hours, you're going to find out each other's gifts, you're going to get to know each other, and that's going to be a strong community. Mm-hmm. Time spent is critical. Now, for us, I'm not telling us to make new time. We only got 24 hours. That's not going to change. But what, in what way can we be intentional about addition to our schedule? Like, I got to eat lunch. How can I have lunch with this person? I, gotta, I still haven't found a workout buddy. Maybe some of you guys want to work out with me. Now, you got to take it easy on me. Like, I got a certain regimen I'm doing because it works for me. So don't come in here trying to ruin my life, man. I'm not with that. Um, but if I'm more advanced than you, I'll bring you along. But if you're more advanced than me, let me be. But we could do it together. But, like, how can we be together? How can we discern each other's gifts? You know, I want us to get to the point where all of us are using our gifts and we feel excited about it. It's the best place to be when everyone is using their gifts. Again, using our our, our campus, it's easier to talk about them because they're not here. I would not say that if they were here. But it's easier to talk about them. When when I get with those guys, I'm like, oh, yeah, man. You know, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome, man. You know, this person's so hosted. They're always trying to get Justin to host something. Because they're like, Justin wants to feed us. He wants to do this. They recognize how to find someone's gift. Same thing with our community group. How, how, how can we do that in our community groups where everyone is using their gifts? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 through 28, talks about when you come together, have a song, word, scripture, or hymn. Like, Paul's spirit was that everyone was going to participate in what they did. That's the vision for community group. Some of us love not saying anything. How can we get to the point where we can hear your voice? Your voice is not your talent. Your voice does represent your presence. And how can we get you to the point where we not only hear your voice, but we can see your gifts and really create space for you to use those gifts? Anyhow, I want to ask you guys a question. When you guys think about your community groups, what, what, what do you think the Holy Spirit is trying to help you guys see in terms of, man, this is a gift that I think we can lean more into? You don't need to call out any names. You don't need to say this person has a gift. But you're like, you know, I see a lot of this gift, and we can lean into it. Like, there's some of you guys here, I know you have a heart for the least of these. You know how to dignify people. You see that. And if you're in my community group, I'd be pushing you to, hey, man, we should do something like that. You just tell us when and where, man. I'll, we, I'll send the text message. Or do the, like, does that make sense, guys? Like, what, what do you see the Holy Spirit saying in your community group? Like, this is what we could do with this person's gifts and talents. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that it's important to sort of honor um, someone who, you know, has an idea and volunteers or has an idea, a new idea, volunteers to, to do something, that's a very special thing. That can be honored. I think a lot of times we, you know, as, as a group, we can shut people down. You know, like someone might might have an idea. And, and Fred's been talking a lot about this, about the spirit-led church. And I think that that's what it is. I mean, if someone comes, has an idea, um, 
that's very lightly put in, in that person's heart by the Holy Spirit. And, and a lot of times we can think, well, that's not a good idea, that's not going to work. Or, and, you know, when someone, when someone shut down like that, they, they won't volunteer again. They'll, they'll, they'll be hurt. And, and I've seen that a lot in the church. And instead of being open, and people can have all kinds of ideas, you know, like, let's, I think our, our church needs to pray more, so, so, so why don't we get together and pray Saturday morning, or, or, you know, maybe, there's, we've had a lot of new people move into the church, and maybe I want to, you know, invite the, the new people, and we'll, we'll do something there, I mean, people have all different kinds of ideas, and, and, and they're good, and just not to, not to shut things down, because once someone gets shut down, it's, it's very hurtful. Very, very hurtful. I appreciate you sharing that. And we definitely don't want to shut people down. Now, sometimes your idea got to get sharpened, which yeah, happens to all of us. Sure. Yeah, but definitely don't want to shut anyone down. Yeah. But thinking more, a little bit more um, micro to community group, what, what, what are some gifts you've seen in your community group? Unless you're speaking more specifically about getting shut down in your community group, which even more so we want to make sure we're not doing. Like, this is a place where we really want everyone to feel like they can bring their gifts to the table. Quiet. Uh, is it okay to use names? You can use names. As long as you're not, like, slandering them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ken's not here. Ken loves holidays, celebrations. And if it was up to me, like, we, our group would not acknowledge any holidays. And he's like, <laughs> he's like so what do we do? When is the Christmas party? Um, and, I, and that's, like, it's a great gift. And his... Christmas party that he did last year was amazing, and like he got presents for all the kids, and it was video yeah, was amazing, and I would have never gone near that, you know. And just I don't know, I feel like that's a gift, like. Um, and anyways, that's where we're going in the season of that, but yeah, creativity Amen. or um, passion about holidays, whatever, like that's that's a that's a gift to let shine. Yeah, I bet all the kids in there were fired up about the, the Christmas thing. And that makes them feel more like, man, this is my church. Like, I love this. What are some other gifts we realize, like, man, I think we can lean more into those gifts in our community group? Barb. I love our community group. I think one of the things that I, when I think about it, especially in the recent year for us, is just the heart to serve behind the scenes. Yeah. Sometimes we don't tell everybody what we're going through, but like the past two weeks have been rough, you know, with Bob's dad just suddenly passing away and mm. stuff like that. And and then we come home to having to leave, and like Lindsay and AJ bought us dinner, and different people, you know, just jumped in and served. And I don't know, it's those little things to me that are really big things. That was, that was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Any other gifts that we, when we think about our community group? But this is a good thing even to go into community group and thinking. Heather? Um, I feel like our community group is very good at acceptance. Like we don't expect anyone in the group to be perfect. And we're just like, yeah, this is where you're at. And I think Ryan does a good job of like, I want wanting the community group to be growing towards the image of Christ. Amen. That's encouraging. Amen. Um, that is good. There's some people who know how to make you feel welcome. 
Like, I feel like I've never confessed any sin to Iggy, but I feel comfortable confessing sin to Iggy. He, I just feel like I'm going to be loved. There's other people you're like, oh, man, I'm about to get a hammer if I get open. But you're like, sometimes, sometimes you need to get open with that person anyway. But, you know, there's some people terrify you. Iggy, today you don't terrify me. Maybe you would terrify me. I'm like, oh, man, you hurt my feelings. So, yeah, being accepted is huge. Um, Yeah, our community group got a lot of opinions, man. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Tim. I want to look to people that have the gift of organization. I'm someone I do not possess that, so I appreciate people that are able to move things forward and get things coordinated. It's definitely a gift. You see, when we start using our gifts in our community groups, it becomes easier to use it outside the community group. The same thing that, Tim, um, that um, Ken does for the kids, he does for the Christmas play for the church, and he does it for the community. The same thing Lindsay does with the, she, everyone's probably gotten food from Lindsay. If you've even got a cold, you're like, Lindsay comes with pizza. You're like, oh, God, she's here. She's like the tooth fairy. Um, but it, it becomes something that builds up the entire church. But, that, but it's really important. Like, community group is where we start to foster those gifts. We start saying, oh, man, I have a strength here. This is good. Now I'm going to use it outside the body of Christ to continue to glorify Christ in this way, where we could create places where people feel accepted. You know how many people at the workplace don't feel accepted? And we could create that place. Like, man, I'm going to accept it. And so really, I want all of us to start using our gifts because I'm fully persuaded a big part of us seeing um, kingdom come here in Portland is us, all of us using our gifts, yeah. where we could really see Christ's um, rule and reign. Martinique, you're going to say something or were you scratching your head? Okay. <laughs> I always get pump fake with that, man. Juan. Yeah. Absolutely. If you see someone and you're inspired and you want to imitate, I say go for it. That's actually the, the way you learn a lot of different things, right? Like, did you guys know I sung on a Sunday one day? It was the worst experience of my life. I didn't feel called to be up there. Someone, someone wasn't, there were like four people missing. I was there early and they were like, hey, bro, you want to lead a song? You could totally do good. You know how to clap on one and three. And I was like, is there anyone else? And they're like, nah, you got it. The whole time, I just had mental fart. Like, you know, I know the lyrics when I'm right here. But when you're leading it, it's a completely different story. I don't know how our song leaders even remember the lyrics. Like, there's just so much going on. I'm like, like, even reading, I was like, maybe I'm having a panic attack. I couldn't read the lyrics. I was like, I got to get off the stage. So, But that, I needed that experience. Now I know... I got four songs that I made sure I memorized in my heart if I ever have to lead. But if you say, do this song, well, I can't do it. I'm going to forget all the lyrics. I'm going to panic. But I know that now. I know my limits. And I think as the body of Christ, we should embrace our limits. There are certain things we can't do. And we need to feel fired up about that. But I, I'm not a worship leader, and I have more respect for worship leaders. That's why I'm not opinionated about worship. 
I fall back because I know I'm not gifted, man. I'm like, I don't even know how to get through a song, so I got no opinions here. Let's just try to love Jesus. Any other thoughts before we wrap up? All right, we are wrapping up. So next week, not next week is Thanksgiving, but we're going to talk about prayer, and then we're going to talk about 2023 and, and what we're going to do there. Cool.